Again, that's Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 32. Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as the as male slaves do. If she does not place her if she does not please her master, who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people, since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall not go out or she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. Whoever strikes a man, man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he, if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let I'm sorry. <laughs> but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another man by cunning, you shall take him away from the altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel, and one strikes the other with a stone, or with his fist, and the man does not die, but takes his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and shall have him thoroughly healed." When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, but the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned but not kept it in, and it kills man or woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If a ransom is posed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to the same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. It is a, a new year, and we are back in Exodus uh, chapter 21. I'll give more detail 
uh, to this topic next week, but the law, how does the law and what we're learning here in the book of Exodus is God gives us law to Moses and he delivers this to the nation of Israel. We, of course, always think about how does this apply to us as New Testament Christians. We live under the new covenant. And I'll give more detail to that next week as we'll have more time. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here uh, in a few moments. But um, there is this breakdown of the law in the, in the Old Covenant. And I look at this, and sometimes we can um, make too much of this, maybe. But I, I do see three distinctions within the law that God gave uh, the children of Israel and uh, three different breakdowns of the moral law, which, of course, is the Ten Commandments, right? We've studied through that, and Jesus summarized that with love God and love your neighbor. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the, the righteous requirement of the law, and that's what this, this is referring to, the moral law, what God wants us to do and what he doesn't want us to do. And what it, it, there's a need for that, isn't it? Because the law is our tutor. The book of Galatians says it shows us our sin. And so there's a need for the moral law. And there's also the ceremonial law, and this is given to the nation of Israel. But it's not binding on believers. Um, but it, what it did is preserved Israel as a distinct nation. It kept them separate. Example of that would be um, circumcision or the sacrificial uh, systems, the sacrifices that were made because of sin. That's the ceremonial law. And then you also have the civil law. This governs God's people, the nation of Israel, as they enter the land, the promised land. And, of course, these aren't binding for us either. And as we see these case laws in chapter 21, it's chapter 21 through chapter 24. This is the, the book of the covenant. This is what this section of the law is called. And you'll notice these civil laws... They have if-then statements, like in, in verse 3, if he, be, he comes in single, speaking of a slave, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. There's these if-then statements. Or it may start out like when you buy a Hebrew slave. When you do this, this is what happens. Um, these are civil laws. And what we do is we make deductions from the law Right, these civil laws, and we apply it to our lives. And at the end of the sermon, just like we always do, we'll make application. But this isn't the most exciting part of the, the book of Exodus. The most exciting part, the fun part to read, we've already finished. Sorry. So this next part, uh, we're going to walk through in big chunks, but it's going to. Um, but we're going to learn is hopefully how to apply the, the these scriptures to our lives. But we have to remember as we read this section of scripture. Even though it might not be real exciting, it's a part when it's it's a little bit more exciting than the genealogies. But we have to remember Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen and seventeen says all Scripture is profitable, and so hopefully we'll we'll see that when we're done. So these general and absolute laws that God gave us in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, what they do is they give way in chapters twenty one through twenty four and and they give way to how these general laws, the Ten Commandments, apply more to specific or hypothetical situations. And so what we see in chapters 21 through 24 is God giving the nation examples to live by. And he can't come up with every hypothetical situation that, that you're ever going to run into on how to treat people, but there's some examples given um, here in, in these chapters. And it's interesting, last week we reviewed the first part of chapter 20 God says 
Why should, he's telling the Israelites why they should listen to him. And he reminds them, I'm the one who delivered you from slavery. And then he goes right into the Ten Commandments. And this section begins with uh, the same topic um, regarding slaves. And this is dealing a lot with personal injury. And I don't know, personal injury laws and personal injury lawyers, I don't know if you've been to Memphis lately, but about one out of two billboards has some lawyer telling you that you need to get the money you deserve. And I don't want you to think about those kind of people. I don't think too well of that. That kind of just doesn't sit well with me, right? Uh, somebody trying to get something for nothing. I don't know if this guy really does is really concerned about you and I, or he's just concerned about getting some money. But there is a, a need for personal injury lawyers. Now, the, the thing about in our day and time, um, some of that's taken away from us because of insurance, right? That's why we have auto insurance and, and that, that deals helps us with some of that. Um, but we're going to be looking here um, specific situations that Moses wrote down called the Book of the Covenant, and it teaches us really in a nutshell how to treat people. And it's also going to teach us about God's character as we looked at last week. But the first point from chapter 21, Joshua did a great job reading that text for us. I appreciate that, brother. And the first thing we learn from this text is we're to treat Hebrew servants and slaves justly. Now, this is written, this is given to the nation of Israel, verses 1 through 11. And I know what you're thinking when you start thinking about slaves. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. You think, well, slavery's not condoned in this text. Um, I, I guess just from the outset, we have to be careful when we read this not to project our own understanding of slavery onto the text. Because we think of slavery, what do we think about? We think of roots, Right? Alex Haley and, um, and Roots. But remember, what did God do for the nation of Israel who were slaves in Egypt? He rescued them from slavery, didn't he? Um, and in fact, in verse 16, uh, it, it, it tells us that type, the type of slavery that we're familiar with is because American history is prohibited. You know, that transcontinental slavery where you take someone uh, um, against their will and make them and uh, force them into a life of labor that's prohibited there in verse 16 but what, what these civil laws are given for and the reason we have them is to um, is to repress and confine slavery if you will these laws that he's given it's regulating a practice that was already a part of their culture now you have to think about it it's, it's kind of hard to to take that um, to take our understanding of slavery and not apply it or get it confused with this text. But someone might be a slave for many different reasons. And, and the, the slavery that the Hebrew uh, people are instructed about here in this text it was all voluntary. Does that make sense? You have to, I think that would help us clear up a lot of misunderstanding. It's all voluntary. So people would become slaves for different, for different reasons. One reason might be because of poverty. They just couldn't get by. So they would, in essence, sign a contract to become someone's servant. And, and that would be a better word probably to describe this situation as servants. They'd become a servant for six years. And after six years, they would be set free. They may be, uh, become a slave because of debt. They had some debt they couldn't pay. Like, man, I just can't pay it. Well, okay, you become this person's servant for six years. And after six years, they were set free. Um, it, it may be because of, um, because of a crime. You've... Uh, committed a crime against someone else, you can't compensate for what you've done, and so you become their servant for 
again, a period of time, six years, and then you're set free. In fact, it says here in the text, um, verse 6, or verse 5, there's some people who would, when they became slaves, they decided to become slaves, not just for six years, but they liked it so much, it, was, it fit them well, and their master, who, who they were a servant to, treated them so well, they said, you know what, I'm just going to become your slave for life. And so they would sign a contract, and how they would sign the contract is they would, they would get up against the, 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 the doorpost and put an, an awl through their ear, and that's how they signed the contract. Hey, I'm going to be your servant for, for life. So the understanding, how we understand this text, we have to really um, remove ourselves from the American slavery context, if you will, and uh, and understand it as it should be. Um, and now sometimes in their culture, would would someone take advantage of their authority and mistreat someone that was serving them? Of course, I'm sure that happened. Uh, and you think, well, why didn't the Lord speak out about that? Why didn't he just um, uh, condemn it? Uh, all together. Well, we don't know. We just have the text here. And like I said, slavery there in that day and time was a lot different than, than what we understand it to be. But God doesn't condone it. He doesn't condemn it. But what he does do is he constrains it and he gives regulations for it. So just out of the gate, these civil laws are teaching these masters how to treat their servants. Okay. Verse one and two, it, again, it was, it was contractual. It was voluntary. Um, after six years, the seventh year, the slave would be free. And when their term was up, he wasn't sent away empty-handed. It wasn't like you get out of prison and you're, you're, you're at the gate with nothing in your pockets. Uh, matter of fact, Deuteronomy 15, 12 through 15, uh, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, you shall serve. Uh, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that he would, that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day. So that that that's a lot different picture there, isn't it, of the type of slavery that we're accustomed to, to thinking about. So this type of slavery, this type of servanthood, was more times than not was beneficial for both parties, for both parties, for both the servant and the master. And verse 3 through 6, what happens if you're married? Well, if you're married, then when you leave, your wife leaves with you. And the children that you, your wife bears during that time, you get to take with you. But what happens if, you, uh, if your, your master gives you a wife during that period of time? Well, your wife can't leave with you after year six. No, she has to wait till her time is up, right? Till her, her, her contractual period is up, and then she can go with you. Um, sometimes that causes people a little uh, confusion. Um, again, if they wanted to stay for life, they could stay for life, right? Just put it all through the year, sign the contract, and, and uh, live their life. What about daughters who were sold by their fathers into slavery? Verse 7 through 11. This sounds terrible, doesn't it? In fact, recently, with all that's going on in Afghanistan, you hear uh, the news reports of people doing that there because of poverty. Uh, they couldn't take care of their kids, so they sell their, their daughters into slavery. And that's, in fact, uh, terrible. But this practice here in Israel was actually beneficial for the daughter, um, uh, for instance, the poor man might sell his daughter to a more prominent family uh, with the, knowing that her living situation was going to improve. But it also says there in, uh, in this passage that female servants, they weren't sent out after six years like male servants were. You say, well, why not? Well, a, a woman in that culture without a home is uh, uh, liable to be taken, uh, mistreated. 
But notice there's three protections set up by God on behalf of the female servants. Look at verse 8. There's a probationary period, it seems like. If things didn't go out well, uh, didn't work out, her family could purchase her redemption and she could go back home. And in verse 9, another protection set up is if she married the son of the, the, of the master, um, she was to be treated like the family. So she's brought in as a slave. It's kind of like um, uh, um, arranged marriages, if you will. And she becomes part of the family. Well, when she, become, she marries the son of the master, guess what? She's not treated as a servant, as a slave. No, she's treated as part of the family. And the third protection um, we see is verse 10. If her husband wanted to marry another, right, wanted to divorce her, uh, she would, must be provided for food and clothing and shelter and her marital rights. And if these things were not done, it says she would be given her freedom or let out of this uh, contractual agreement. So we see here that dealing with servants, slaves, God's teaching his people you're to treat them well, you're to treat them justly. Second point, starting verse 12 through 27, is we're to treat those, uh, they're to treat those they injure justly as well. And this is the, the personal injury aspect of it. And I think the main part, uh, part point of this text is that punishment should meet the crime. Punishment should fit the crime. Um, look at verse 12. Real quickly, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. And we see this time and time again. If someone uh, deli is, is deliberately out to take a life, we see God valuing human life. And this probably should be point number two. He, he values human life. And we, we see a difference here between premeditated murder, right? Premeditated taking a human life in verse 12 through 14 and, and taking a life that, that wasn't intentional. We would maybe call it manslaughter, right? And in verse 13, if a life was taken unintentionally, then the person could go to the altar. We see this, Jotham did this uh, in the Old Testament as well. You go to the altar. And later on, what, what's going to happen in Numbers 35, there's a description of these sanctuary cities. Now, once they get into the promised land and, and, and the land is settled, all the tribes divide up the land, there's going to be sanctuary cities scattered throughout the promised land. And what these sanctuary cities uh, were for were if somebody accidentally killed somebody in an accident. Well, if they stayed there, what might happen? Well, the family member, the spouse, the friend might take vengeance, get revenge. But what they would do is they would go to these sanctuary cities until the judges, the leaders, could try the case and decide if you were liable or not, and if so, how much you should pay. If they would determine if it was intentional or not. And so there, there's this... Um, this sanctuary city type of, uh, of thing going on. But notice how the one who committed the murder is always, if it's intentional, they were put to death. Now, capital punishment's been seen as a violation of the Sixth Commandment, right? Um, not to murder. Uh, but, but again, God, being just and sovereign and infinite in wisdom, he began this... Uh, set this in place back in Genesis chapter six, uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man sh shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Why was capital punishment a necessity? It uh, wasn't that God uh, was uh, vengeful and loved death, but uh, the, quite the opposite is he loved life. And because man was made in the image of God, if you take the life intentionally of someone a human life, someone made in his image, you're to be put to death. Um, 
And then when accidents happen and life is taken, that calls for a different measure of justice, right? Um, but capital punishment, even in a, uh, a post-fall world, is designed to uphold the sanctity of life and the preciousness of man who's made in the image of God, uh, even though we do live in this fallen world. Look at verse uh, 15 through 17 real quickly. Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death. Or verse 17, whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. This breaks the, uh, the fifth commandment. Um, this is the, a capital crime, which capital punishment uh, should be dealt out. Um, it's interesting, Jesus, he um, addresses this situation, cursing of a parent. Uh, if you curse your parent, you disown them, you neglect them. Jesus addressed that in Matthew 15, verse 3 through 6. Um, he answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? This tradition, it was put up by the religious leaders of high and above uh, all other authority, right? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother what you have, a gain for me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the, the word of God. What they were doing here is they were uh, not neglecting their parents. They were neglecting them, right? Saying, okay, I'm going to take this money and take care of my family. Uh, then they take the money and use it for themselves. And Jesus is, is rebuking them for neglecting their family. But we see this back here in this civil law in Genesis chapter 21. And that's a capital offense. Um, Verse 16, the next sin against mankind that deserved capital punishment was kidnapping. We've already said that. Someone can't be taken against their will, right? Someone who does that, they should be put to death. The death penalty was applied to this crime. Now look at verse 18 and 19. Kind of get to more uh, or less violent crimes maybe. Um, a fight between two people and one is hurt. What, what, what's the right thing to do? How do you handle that situation where there should be restitution, Right? There should be restitution. There should be, be um, compensation. If the penetrator, uh, the perpetrator acts as a, um, and they're having to pay money, it acts as punishment um, uh, for the crime. So justice is served, compensation is made. Uh, this is before workman's comp, right? We didn't have any workman's comp. This is before hospitals. This is before disability insurance was instituted. So this compensation was uh, to be paid by the offender. Look at um, verse 20 and 21. This also involves slaves. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and he dies, what happens? That's a capital offense, right? That's a capital offense. Verse 21, but if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged for the slave is his money. In other words, if a servant is injured because the master treated them terribly and they're not working, well, that's the, that's the punishment for the master. He lost out on those uh, days of work. Look at verse 23 through 25. What about a pre pregnant woman who's hit and, and there's premature birth? Someone runs into a woman who's pregnant. There's some uh, incident and she gives birth. Um, what should happen? Well, if the baby's fine and everything is okay, there's just compensation that should be paid uh, depending on what the husband or the wife wanted. But if death occurs, then again, this is a capital offense. But it's not, this isn't teaching retaliation or revenge, but it's teaching just punishment, really, and, and compensation. But it's interesting here, and this is a, a, a subject for another day. We'll just touch on it quickly. Notice how the unborn are, are being considered here. They're being considered just like a, a human being with equal dignity and standing in society as the one who caused the injury. 
the life uh, of an infant. If it's taken away, then one who caused him harm is treated like someone who committed murder. That speaks to our us today, doesn't it? Yeah, there's God values life, right? All life. Look at verse 23. And this is often quoted, but it's usually misunderstood. This is, you see this in Westerns a lot. Macy, the, your Western, I know you love, you're a big Western fan. You watch the Westerns and the bad guy, something happens to him. His brother gets killed because he's trying to rob a bank. And what, is the, what do the bad guys always say? Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, right? Well, it's, it's often quoted, but it's terribly misunderstood. This is, it's called the Italian law. And the, the, uh, the word Italian means tooth. But really what all it's talking about is this eye for an eye, tooth for tooth deal. Uh, and what is this actually uh, teaching? Well, think about it this way. If, um, if, if something happens, Chris gets in a fight with somebody, he's, and he knocks the guy's tooth out, you know, and it's a tooth way back here. Who's, all right, all right, Kim's in the dental, dental um, uh, I was going to say ministry, but I, that wouldn't be the right word, would it? Um, she's in that field. Well, if you got one of your molars back here knocked out, all right. Now, Chris here, this, thing about, this is way back in the day, too. So we think, okay, Chris knocked out a tooth of a guy he got in a fight with. So, okay, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Okay, Chris, we're going to knock your tooth out. Well, what's, likely, what's the likelihood of you knocking that exact tooth out and only getting one? Not very, not very good. So you knock two out. Well, now guess what? Now I've got to knock another one of your teeth out. You know? So it just kind of goes back and forth. If you think about it, how that was actually played out, if you took that literally, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. And it gets a little crazy, right? It gets a little nuts. What is this actually? What is this actually uh, teaching here? The point of the text is that punishment should fit the crime. If, a, if someone's eyes knocked out because of something that's intentional or in, not intentional, there there has to be compensation for the loss of the eye. That's what this text is teaching. Um, but but you know it, but there's also a um, and this is this. This applies to every situation except for murder, taking life. If you take a life, you can't buy your way or compensate for that. If you intentionally take someone's life, your life was to be taken. Again, that capital punishment being, being commanded. Um, look at verse 26 and 27. Really quickly running through here. That's why I just love small group leaders, because they love to answer all the questions that get left unanswered. Um, Verse 26, when a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of the eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. Okay? So again, this Italian law, um, just compensation, just punishment. Punishment should fit the crime. Um, verse 28 through 32, this Italian law applies to the, those who animals hurt someone else. Remember, this is an agrarian society. Everybody had animals. Everybody had farms and stuff like that, right? Um, but we're responsible for the animals we own. Just like right now, I've got a, a couple horses at my house. Well, guess what? I'm responsible for those horses. I'm not there to watch out for them, but I'm responsible. Got to keep a good fence, right? Got to make sure they stay in the, in the pasture. It's my responsibility. If they get out, it's on me, right? Um, and it's, it's interesting because I live on this, I live adjacent to a highway. And my, my neighbor who has a lot of horses, he'll pull in and get something. He'll pull out and just keep on driving and never close his gate. Well, his horses always end up at my, my pasture. And people are calling me saying, hey, man, your horses are out. I'm like, I look out there like, no, my horses are here. 
And, and I, I never could understand how he would, not that he would be negligent, but he just wouldn't think about that. And when you told him, oh, yeah, your horse is wild, he wouldn't think it was a big deal. And I'm thinking, man, they're right there on the highway. It's scary, it's scary isn't it? It makes me afraid uh, that I'll be responsible if something crazy uh, happens. And, and think about this law. If Moses was giving us the law today, instead of referring to all these animals, you know, an ox goring somebody, you know, goring somebody, putting their, right, uh, hurting a, a person. If that happens and you, 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 the person should be compensated for if they're off work, right? Like I said, there's not hospitals like there are now. There's no insurance, you know, homeowner's insurance. They didn't have that. But if Moses gave us this law today, instead of all these animals, it, it deal a lot with probably motor vehicle stuff, right? Because we drive a lot, have accidents that way. We don't think a lot about our animals goring somebody to death, right? In our justice system, we, we want to see um, fair trials. We want to see justice um, in, in every case. It was interesting, uh, the last couple of weeks, I saw there was a, reading the headlines, there was a truck driver, you may have heard about this, and he, um, he was driving a little fast, and there were some things, he was definitely, uh, I believe, negligent, but there was an accident. It was an accident. And um, there was a, several cars were involved and four people were killed and in Colorado there's a minimal you have this minimal term sentence kind of deal and and so he was declared guilty and given 110 years for his negligence behind the wheel and you know four people lost their lives you can never repay uh, a family for that terrible but 110 years for an accident like wow that's kind of crazy and then you have people who are pillaging and raping and killing and they get four five six seven eight nine ten years and they get out you're like man something's not right there's definitely problems aren't there and i always think about this um within our own system and we could talk about this forever couldn't we the problems in our justice system but we see here and what, what, what we're taught i think the main point of this second part of the, the text is we have to be just. We need to be just. If there's an accident, if we do something intentionally and hurt someone, or there's an accident, someone's hurt, or someone's property's damaged, there should be compensation, and it should be just. It's crazy in our nation, someone will commit some heinous crime against someone else, their lives forever altered, financially ruined forever, and they'll get three years in the pen, never have to pay a dime. They can just get out and pay their, do their three years and get out like it never happened. And the poor people who suffered are never the same. And that, it's not just, isn't it? But we're hopeful, aren't we? Even as we, we saw the video about missions and how God is doing a work and one day there's going to be an assembly of people in glory from every tribe, tongue, and people group giving glory and praise to God. And I think about that, even as we think about all the injustice in our world. But one day all things will be made right, won't it? One day all things will be... There's, and no sin goes unpunished. That's how we can, you know, when, it, when the Bible talks about turning the other cheek. Like, how in the world can you do that? Somebody slaps you and Jesus is making a point. How can you do that? Because 
God is just. Blake, no sin goes unpunished. All wrongs are made right in God's justice system. Isn't that great? That's our hope, isn't it? Luke chapter 19. Interesting story. Zacchaeus is a, he's a Jew. He's living during Jesus' day and Jesus is going to Jerusalem to give up his life and he walks through um, Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And by this point in time, Jesus is very popular and wherever he goes, people want to see him because of the way he taught, the way he lived, because of the way he, he, he um, ministered and performed miracles. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were the, the they're kind of like the personal injury lawyers of the day. They weren't well thought of. He was a, a Jew and he worked for the Romans who were oppressing the Israelites. And what he would do is he would take money from his own people and give it to the oppressors. But it was well known that the tax collector would take more than he should. He would give the Romans their share, and what would he do? He'd pocket the rest, and so he was wealthy. Jesus was coming to town, and he was a short man, and he climbed a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus came to him and told him, Zacchaeus, get down. I'm going to go to your house today. He immediately got down, and, and then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. Now, who did he defraud? Everybody. So what's he saying here? I'm giving half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated out anybody on anything, I'm going to give back four times the amount. In other words, hey, he emptied his pockets. Said he. What's he doing? He's doing what the text. He's doing what Genesis, I mean, Exodus 20, uh, th- uh, 21 teaches us. Yeah, he repented. Yeah, and, and, and this, this, this action, this, this lifestyle, these actions, this compensation, it's, it's fruit of his repentance in his life. But what's he doing? He's saying, I, I've, I've cheated all these people. I, I want to make it right. And so he's trying the best he can to make it right. Yeah. For justice to be served. So how do we apply this to our lives? We, we've, we've gone really quickly through this. But hopefully you understand the main points. These civil laws, they're for the nation of Israel. They're no longer binding on us, on the church, under the new covenant, but they teach us God's desire for, for justice. Justice for the lowly, for the servant, right? And also for the unborn. So we should treat people justly and when we hurt people when there's an accident we 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 should compensate them rightly there was a as a preacher you have to be careful uh, about um talking about your family right and we're a small church here we we know each other pretty well but one of my daughters i'm not telling you which one right she was um she was backing out in the parking lot what i'm not telling you which one i got three kids I got three girls, right? And, and, and there was a man who was pulling out, and, he, uh, and he's driving a banger. You know what a banger is, don't you? He's just driving an old, old truck, right? And what, what happened, and he told me this, he says, I was pulling out, but I stopped. You know, I'm pulling out, and I stopped right behind her. And so she sees him coming, and, you know, you just wait a second, and then you back on up. You think, well, he's going by. Well, she ended up bumping into the back of his, his truck. And so how does this apply? I'm trying to get application here. Just, I was just thinking about my own life, you know, t- 
times where, okay, how do we apply this to everyday life? And so my unnamed daughter said, hey, you know, I didn't know what to do. You know, I got out and said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and I said, no worries. We'll, we'll talk to him. And so I talked to the, the, the man. And like I said, he had just that old truck. And he, but he had a little dent in the truck. And I, I told him, I said, we want to we take care. What do you want us to do? You want to um, get, get some bids for people? I know some people. I know some body men. And he says, yeah, I, I know a guy. Let me get a, a bid from him. I said, okay. Well, it wasn't a, a day or so later he called me. He said, you know, he said, this truck, he said, it gets me from point A to point B. He said, it's got a little dent in it. It's not a real big deal. He says, but I'm going to be real honest with you. I've been saving up. I need to buy a couple tires. And I called his name. I said, I'd love to buy you a couple tires. And so I did. I bought him some tires. You know what? He's happy as a lark. Right? Got a dent in his front fender, but he got good tires on his truck. You know what? He was happy, and I was too. Just being being just. A couple other examples, and you think think about examples in your own life where this has happened. I was, I shared this story before. I was working in, in grad school. I was waiting tables, and um, over by the bar, um, there's a lot of garn. Uh, there's a lot of things like uh, lemons and olives and um, cherries and things like that. And so when there's slow and there's nothing going on, you're kind of hungry. You just sit over there and. And some of you don't like olives, I know, but they have these big old olives like that. They're like huge. They're so good. And so we'd just sit over there and just eat those sometimes just as like a snack. And I'd been working there for a long time. And one day it just occurred to me, and I'm popping in my mouth, and I come in. I've worked here, you know, three, four years at that point in time. I wonder how many jars of these olives I've eaten on the clock. And I got to thinking about it, and I got to, I felt bad about it. And so I, I told my manager after work, I said, look, I said, how much is these jars you know there's big jars like this of uh, i think it was a one of uh, olives and one of cherries i said how much does one of those cost he's like why i said how much do they cost and he's like i'll let you know well he let me know hey this is what we pay for those i said look i'm going to pay for a, a jar of, of each of those things he goes why i said man and i told him i said man i i sit over there and eat those things all the time and i just convicted you know i'm a, I'm a believer he knew i was a believer so i'm a believer and uh, I feel like I need to do that. And he was like, no. He thought it was the craziest thing he'd ever heard, right? Man, everybody does that. That's not a big deal. I said, but not for me. It's a big deal to me. I want to pay for it. You know, just in my own life, as I think about that, yeah, I'm just being, that was, I was doing, that was wrong. I'm, I'm stealing. I'm taking from the company. Well, I need to pay that back. And you know what happened in that situation? He was, he was lost, didn't, didn't love the Lord. Um, but you know what? That started a changed our conversations, changed our relationship. He ended up getting married. I am doing his wedding. Ended up getting to speak a lot of truth in his life just from that incident. But for me, I just felt like I knew that that was compensation, right? Being being a believer and 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 compensating. Maybe for you, just how you apply, how this applies. You're in Walmart and you're backing out, and you you're you're. You're a little close, and you end up with your front bumper ends up hitting the side of the car, the person beside you. And it didn't do much, but it's just a little scratch on there, maybe a little dent. No one's there. No one saw it. What do you do? Well, this text, what would this, you know, how would it apply to our lives? It's not, we're not bound by this because we're not the nation of Israel. But we need to compensate people for when we damage their property or whatnot, right? You get over and hit somebody's mailbox 
with your side mirror damage their mailbox what do we do well, what is, how's the scripture apply we we compensate for the damage done and there's other be thinking about that small group leaders you'll be talking about this uh, next week how this applies to our lives we're not bound by this civil law but I think there's principles we can learn and apply and lastly I think just as the servant who's serving six year term for a master realized he had it pretty good after six years he says man I love my master he loves me this is a good situation for me in life I think I want to be your servant forever and they would take that all and they would put it through the year as a contractual agreement right it's, it's the way you sign the contract saying yeah I, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life and you're going to provide for me for the rest of my life thinking about that just as this master signifies his commitment to this servant by putting it all through the ear the Lord Jesus he wants to put it all through our ears as we pledge our commitment to serving him all our days how about you have you committed to serving the the master we're all born in sin we're separated from the Lord and because of our sin the God will pour out his wrath upon us when we breathe our last we'll be in glory or we'll be in hell but Jesus died and he took the punishment for sinners and he rose on the third day so that sinners could be justified. And what he wants to do is he wants to put an all through the ear of each sinner. As you pledge your commitment to him, he pledges his commitment to you. Not only to, to impute rightness, righteousness to you, but to empower you to live for him. And to give you the Holy Spirit that seals your redemption. Have you committed yourself to the Lord? Have you repented of your sin? If you're willing to be his, he's willing to have you. There's never a soul that wanted Jesus that Jesus did not want also. So by way of application, will you commit your life to Christ if you haven't? And for those of us who are believers who had the awe of the master put through our ear. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.